What's up, Painless Flipping Podcast listeners? Before we dive into today's episode, I've got something special for you. Recently, I had the pleasure of joining an amazing podcast, and I wanted to share that conversation with you all. It's a fantastic discussion you won't want to miss. So without further ado, let's jump into that crossover episode and hear what we had to say. Enjoy. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another show of the Guyao Now Show. I'm so excited that you guys are here today. And as always... Um, I'm bringing to you a wealth of experience, knowledge, information. I, uh, as I go along and I meet cool people in this world of real estate, I always want to know, hey, what are they doing and how can they provide value? Because look, one of the most interesting things that I have found about real estate investing specifically that I think is different than almost any other industry out there is that we truly all can work together, right? Like there's no, no matter how much marketing you do, like the reality is at some point you will scale if you're really good beyond your capability of doing deals and you'll need to pull in other investors. So it's one of the few markets where we truly can say, hey, like we need to, to know everyone that we work with and we need to learn and grow from each other because the more that we can help each other, the more that we all grow together. Um, and so with that capacity, I'm excited or rather, with that in mind, I am excited for today's show uh, with Mr. Nathan Payne. Nathan, thank you for being here, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So uh, Nathan has a wealth of experience in sales. We're going to be talking a little bit about that. I think for most of you who are in this group or listening to this podcast, or if you're just coming in either way, uh, the reality is no matter how good you are at sales in this moment right now, we can always be better. There's always something else we can learn. And the thing that I've learned in 14 plus years of doing real estate is, hey, look, there's always some, you know, it could be a tactic, a trick, and it might not even be something that I, it, like, here's the thing that I always find funny, right? Like every time I listen to sales, uh, any sort of sales training, I'm like, oh, I knew that. I just forgot about it or I f I'm not implementing it the way I should or something. Or sometimes it's like, oh man, I didn't even think about it doing it that way. So uh, exactly. I think sales is one of the most undertrained skills most investors have because we just think, oh, we just want to like flip houses or we want to like get into it. It's like, yeah, right. well, marketing and sales are the beginning to that point. If we don't do those things good <laughs> or well, really, then we're not going to be there. So um, Nathan, for anyone who doesn't know anything about you, why don't you give us a little bit of a background, some of your history, and then we'll uh, dive into some of the details of this. Real, real quick, can I comment on what you said? Because I had a Yeah, thought. yeah, 100%. So about sales training and, and how important it is, right? So like when you role play or you practice something every day, like daily, you master the skill, right? So for example, Very like say if I start today and I say, okay, I'm going to practice overcoming this specific objection. Then when I'm training and, and, or calling people today, they, I will remember, right? Because I'm going to be like, oh, I just trained on this and then I'll use it. it I apply it to this. So, so I started doing jujitsu about like, uh, eight months ago and i was trash when we first started but <laughs> we we we're all trash in pretty much every martial arts when we get started that's it's such a weird thing to get used to for sure but the, the way i relate it just happened yesterday so like when i go to jujitsu like we train on for 30 minutes we start like we train on a specific technique and then we go live or we re we we roll with each other and i was practicing a, a kimura yesterday so a specific uh technique to submit someone and because I was practicing for 30 minutes, I hit that move specifically what we're practicing in that role session, the live session. So it's really interesting how it relates to jujitsu, pretty much anything you do. If you practice it daily, you're going to be able to apply it in your life. So anyway, I, when you were talking, I was like, man, that's so true. It applies to not just sales, but anything if you practice and, and continually try to get better. It's cool. How we do anything is how we do everything. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So that, that that's that's cool. I mean, I'm glad that I came on here because you were like, "Hey, you helped me realize that just from you know hearing you out." So <laughs> the value. This, this is this is what it's about, literally, right? Like, uh, and I, 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 one more thing on that. Of course. 
no matter what, right? Like, so one of the things that I, I got myself into the trap of, if you will, uh, especially around for me, like year five, six, maybe year seven, somewhere in that range is where it really started to, to happen to me is starting to get cocky in a way of like, oh, I know everything. Like, oh, I've seen this. I've done this. I don't need to watch that training. I've done this. And the thing that I found is that no matter what training I end up watching, even though like, especially when it comes to digital marketing, because arguably I probably know more about digital marketing, especially for real estate investors than anybody out there. Uh, but there's always something I can learn. In fact, I just watched a Instagram reel yesterday. And I was like, oh man, that's a great idea. How did I never think of that? Like I knew all these things, but hadn't put them together in the specific way that this guy had had. And it was like that shift in that moment. And I think there's so much that we can do when we simply stop for a second and allow ourselves to absorb information. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Like if you, I was there too with sales. I was like, man, I'm the greatest sales. Like when I was doing door to door, as I'll tell you about, I thought I was so good, but now like being where I'm at right now, I'm like, dude, I was terrible at like where I could be, where I could have been. Right. I had a different technique. I just thought it was really good. So if you, if you're a student of the game, always, you'll, you'll always be learning. But if you think you've made it and you can't learn anything for anyone, I think that's when you start, you know, plateauing or even going down. So 100%. All right. So a little bit about your background. Let's let's dive into it. So I uh, grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and, you know, once I graduated from high school, I went on a two year mission for my church to Portland, Oregon, and it was Spanish speaking. So I, I worked with people and talked to people about Jesus for two years. After that, I uh, came back from my mission and went to college at college is, you know, when I started going is door-to-door sales is like a big thing in where I went to school, Brigham Young University, right? They take all the missionaries that uh, knocked on people's doors for Jesus. And then they're like, hey, we'll go sell some stuff now. So I had that skill set and I did that and I grew teams. You know, I was one of the best sales guys. And that's what I was basically saying. Like, hey, I thought it was like one of the greatest guys in the company. So um, I was kind of cocky in the sense, like I knew what I was doing. Uh, But, you know, after... I did uh, door-to-door sales for a while. I opened up a cereal bar in college and a music venue because I just wanted to take – you make good money in door-to-door. I don't know. And not, not a lot of people know that industry, but you, it's like fully commissioned, but you get paid a lot because there's like no marketing spend. You just go out there and you make you, – you, you sell. You pretty much make what you, you sell, and it's a lot. So, um, so I took all that money, put it into a music venue in college, ran it for a year, didn't make any money. At least I don't even remember. I wasn't even keeping books. I was just having fun. <laughs> And then after school, after college, I got married, moved from where I was going to school, and uh, I was going to school in Idaho. So I moved, met my wife, decided, hey, I don't want to do door-to-door anymore. I don't want to move around because you got to move around a lot, selling in different areas. So then I was like, what can I do that will make good money? And then I got into real estate. And then here we are. <laughs> and now we're here, four years later. Perfect. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the sales aspect. Um, And actually, I'd like to start on the door to door side. And the reason for this is most people that I talk to are terrified of going door to door. And yet the ones that I know that are doing it are usually insanely successful because, you know, it's just it's you're there, you're talking to the person you're in, you know, almost in their home, if you will. Um, And so I'd love to know, I guess from your standpoint, like, especially when you got started, uh, you know, and I know you said you did this for, uh, for your church. Mm-hmm. How do you overcome that initial fear of knocking on someone's door and like trying to talk to them about, you know, in this case, real estate? 
Right, right. Well, when it came to the the church uh, aspect of it, like when you're a kid, yeah, there's probably a lot of people that are scared. But for me, it was like, hey, this is something I want to share. Like this is, you know, ingrained in me, like ever since I was you know, raised in this religion. So I was like, wanted to share it. So that the fear of that didn't, I didn't really ever get scared or thought that was a thought, right? Because no one really ever talks about being scared. And when you do that, Plus, you have a companion, you have uh, someone with you, so it's not that scary. But then when it got to uh, coming back by myself, um, having to knock the doors, that fear didn't exist. Uh, you get a little anxiety, little butterflies, like before you do a wrestling match or jujitsu or pretty much anything that might be difficult, but it's not something that uh, uh, stopped me from doing it. And I think I've actually realized that anxiety uh, – I didn't really know what that was growing up. I just thought that was a feeling people got. Now I understand through like therapy and just understanding like my feelings that I was always, I was anxious <laughs> and I wasn't scared, but I had a ton of anxiety when I wrestled door to door, all that stuff. But again, as a, as you're young, you don't really know. What, I didn't know what that feeling was. So looking back, it, yeah, I was pretty anxious, but I just went, I just did it. I just yeah. went over, overcame it. So I, I want to actually, I want to hone in on something. And I think this is super important for everyone else to, to listen to, because a lot of you might be going, okay, well, I'm not going out sharing a message like that. So, you know, this doesn't apply to me, but I mm -hmm. think what you said is super important. So when you, especially when you were in the church aspect, right, you had a message that you believed that people yeah. needed to hear and that makes it way easier. And if you're in real estate and you're not, and you're knocking on someone's door and you don't at that same level, fundamentally believe right. that you can help this person with the sale of their house and get them with the want. Because, you know, I, I think a lot of investors, again, in my experience, and this is this was true for me when I got started, you know, we think, oh, like, they're not going to want to sell their house at a low price because of whatever, like, and we create some list of reasons why. But the reality is for most people, the, re the ones that work with us as investors, they don't have either they don't have another option or our option actually is their best option because um, it's not about the price it's about the solution and the other side of things and so I, I think that like believe in your message and what you're doing and and i think that will help a lot and i also like that you said you had a companion right all yeah. of us can use a friend that goes along with us it a it just makes the time you know pass a little bit better and b um, you know, it's always, I think it's always good to have, you talked about role playing earlier. It's always good to have someone that can kind of listen and say, Oh, let me give you feedback on how you did here or there, or, you know, this, or, and then we can tweak and keep going. Yeah. I even started this business with a business partner. Um, but no, we're no longer together because that's kind of, you kind of usually separate if you have business partners because 50 splitting things, 50, 50 doesn't always make sense at, in the long run, but that's kind of how I started. So I did have that companionship. We wouldn't knock doors together when we started doing it, but we, we had that each other, right. To, to support. And that was kind of what it was for. It was like, Hey dude, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's, let's work together. You know, we both have the same goal, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's all about just going out there and overcoming. Uh, if you do have fear, just you're pushing through it because you got to understand what's the worst that can happen. Nothing. Right. I had a gun pulled on me when I was doing door to door, uh, trying to sell Dish Network. I opened. I, I was in this random town in Oklahoma, like on the border. We had we were in Dallas and we drove up because we're like, hey, this town might be good. No one has cable because <laughs> we're <laughs> satellite. So I knock on this dude's door because he had Dish Network and it was an old dish. I was like, let me talk to this guy. Maybe he, I can upgrade him. So I knock on his door and he he, he opens the door with a gun. Like he, Obviously, there's something wrong with the guy. He's just like, get right. out of here. And it was late at night. <laughs> so he, he's like, get out of here. And I'm like, hey. I, and I wasn't even scared because for some reason, I just don't acknowledge that I didn't think he was going to shoot me. So what are you going to shoot me? So 
he, he pulls the gun and then he's like, get out of here. I'm like, Hey, you know, I knocked on your door. Cause I see you have dish. I can upgrade your, your dish if you're interested. And he's like, no. So for some reason I wasn't even afraid of that. So that's probably the worst thing that could happen to you, but no one's just going to shoot you for knocking on their door. It doesn't, doesn't happen. Even in a random town, I'm, I'm tan. This dude, who knows if he, I'm, I'm not even thinking he's racist. That wasn't even a thought in my mind, but now it's like, maybe he was, who knows. Right. That's fair point, right? Like, yeah, the, the reality is, it's funny. I was talking to someone the other day. I was like, remember when we were younger and people like knock on the door? You'd be like, ooh, there's someone at the door. Who is it? Now it's like, who the heck's at the door? Why didn't they text first? That's right, man. Exactly. I kind of, it's weird though, because I used to knock on doors, but someone knocks on my door. I'm like, I get kind of mad a little bit. I'm like, who's bothering me? Right? Like, exactly, right? Yeah, it's, it's funny how that's changed. Okay, cool. So I, I think like, for by the way and for any of you who are like i'm never going to do door-to-door sales totally cool right but also understand that like anything you know you're if you close out a potential marketing option you're closing out on potential deals too so right exactly um okay so let's talk a little bit more about maybe some like sales skills um or like from your point of view like how can someone especially if they're newer or even if they're you know experienced but maybe they're not the best at sales yet like their closing ratio of their leads is not great what are some skills or I, you know, thoughts from your, your standpoint that I say, Hey, this is how you can really improve that. Well, I mean, coming back to what we talked about previously is like believing in your product, right? Like when I first started, my product was a wholesale low cash offer. That was what I could offer, right? That's what I, I could provide. The solution was, Hey, I can take over your problem with, by just buying your house cash. But the, the give and take is it's not going to be probably what you want. Um, so I think if you can educate yourself in the industry on like, what are the exit strategies that exist to purchase someone's home, you would be more confident to work with people. Cause if you go in and you're like, "Mm, the only tool I'm equipped with is offering someone 50% of what their house is worth. Right. Then you might not be, you might not feel that confident, but if you're like, Hey, if I offer that and it doesn't work for them, I, maybe I can point them in the direction of an agent. Maybe I am an agent. Maybe I can list it for them. Or maybe I can tell them if they want to flip it, I have some contacts. Or if they want to keep it as a rental, I can give them some advice on that. So the way I approach sales now is way different than when I did with Dish Network. I would just knock on someone's door and I had one hour or like 30 minutes to close them right then or they weren't going to sign up, right? So now it's like you can't close anybody and it doesn't matter how good you are. Like there's this is a big decision that you have to, you know, go through options. You have to get rid of deal killers. So it's a total different sale than uh, what a door-to-door sale is or was for me. Cool. Um, and so, so educating on options. Now, when you're, when you're going through, like, do you present all the options to them or do you just say, are, are you like finding out what they need first and then just presenting the one that you think is going to be the best uh, for them or for you? Or like, how do, how do you narrow down? Because sometimes I think people get stuck in, okay, I've got 15 ways that I can, you know, that we have an exit strategy for this property. How do I know which one to present? Yeah, of course. So it's, it, you always ask them why they're selling. That's how my script and that's my process starts. Uh, you know, I introduce myself, I, I set the stage or the end in mind, telling them where we're going to go with this conversation. Like, Hey, by the end of this call, uh, you know, I'm hoping that we can, I can buy your house and we can proceed or you can just say no. You know, so they know what the purpose of the conversation is. And then I say, so, Hey, let's just get right into it. What, what's got you interested in selling this house? It looks like a great house. So then they tell me the, the, the reason or the motivation for selling and I dive deeper into it if I need to. And then, you know, depending on what they've said, I present what, then I say, Hey, well, so before I go dive deeper into like your, con- the condition of your home or anything else like that, let's, let's kind of talk about what options you've already explored. So I don't go over them again. 
have you thought of what have you done so far? Have you listed it? Have you thought about keeping it? So I don't give every option. I just see what they've done because I'm not trying to like fi finally present an option that they've already considered. You know, if they say, right. Hey, we've thought about listing eliminate it. the things that have already been done. Right. Yeah. If they're like, we thought about list. If I say, what options have you already explored? Oh, we thought about listing it, but we can't, we actually had to take it off of the market because nobody could get the financing for it. Okay. Well then I didn't even need to talk about that. That, that option's over. Right. So why are they selling? Find out why then dive into what they've explored and then, you know, dive into more uh, condition, more motivation, timeline, and then present your option. I never talk about my offer until the end of the, the sales call. Makes sense. So I know you said, uh, I want to go back to something you said, you said, Hey, and obviously we didn't like go through an actual role play of a conversation. You said, Hey, let's, let's dive right into it. Do you spend a lot of time rapport building with them beforehand or like a little bit of time, or is it just kind of like, Hey, let's get to the point because we got to roll through calls as quickly as possible. Uh, I feel like my rapport is the motive, the, why are you selling part? Okay. That's my report. Cause I mean, what am I going to do? That's not how I work. I don't call someone just like, Hey, how's your day? You know, tell me about the family. Okay. You know, unless they're chitty chatty like that and they just want to talk, then I'll, I'll, I'll let them go as long. Well, not as long as they want, but I'll talk. So they feel like, you know, I'm a good listener and uh, yeah, that's a bit about it. So the report is built during the, uh, the discovery phase of the call, which is the, let's discover why you're selling. Okay, perfect. I mean, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people, you know, they get stuck in that you, they hear like, you know, they've gone to like some sort of sales and negotiation training and they talk about, oh, you got to build rapport and they get stuck in that chitty chatty kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden your call, which could have been 30 to 40 minutes is now an hour and a half. And, you know, yeah. it's one of the biggest things you can do is, you know, time wasters is just spending a lot. And again, it's not necessarily that it's complete time wasting, but at the end of the day, you can only take so many calls a day. And if you're spending an hour and a half instead of 40 minutes, you've literally halved your number of calls you can complete in a single day. Right. And it's, it's a little different. Like if we were in person, maybe if I saw something in their house, I'm at 99% of the sales I do are over the phone. So I don't like to like fake rapport. Like I really don't want to ask you about anything that's going on other than your house, but we can elaborate and talk more about things that come up. Right. But I'm not like, hmm, talk about this, talk about this, you know, to get them excited. Cool. All right. So what other advice would you give someone who's trying to improve their sales ability? Uh, role playing every day, I mean, is 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 huge because it's kind of like how we talked about uh, with jujitsu wrestling. I mean, I, I wrestled in high school a little bit in college, and then did a. Uh, uh, I'm doing jujitsu now, and it's it's like you, you train and then you apply, and then you're able to apply what you train uh, every. So if you're only training once a month, like you're just kind of keeping the same skill set you have, in my opinion. So that's uh and that's kind of my fault too with sales like i'm really good at sales but i don't really train on it as much as i could so i feel like whether i could keep continue to level up right now i'm just like good right i could be way better just when we've already talked about you could always improve so yeah all right well let me ask you some questions about role playing because uh i think for a lot of people they kind of get stuck in the mechanics of it yes. so it, are you are you just role-playing with whoever you have? Do you go out and find someone specific that's good to help you train in your role-playing? Like, or does it not matter? It's just about getting the, the repetitions. Uh, you can role-play with anyone. Like if you have a spouse or uh, some friends. For, for me, what I would recommend is I would join a community of wholesalers, of investors, which I have a community. Um, and I would link up with someone to be your accountability partner, someone that you can get tight with and just say, hey, every morning, let's do a quick 15-minute call and role-play. 
uh, I have employees. I work with people in my wholesaling company, so we role play. So that's that's easy because it's just like okay, I can role play with them. But if you don't have that, join a community of uh, people that are doing the exact same thing as you and and role play with somebody. Perfect. Um, so now, when you're role playing, like, do you give them like? Do you try to have them? So let's say I'm playing the investor, right? And you're playing the the seller. Do I do I ask you to be like as difficult and as annoying as possible? As e or or do like what what's the structure to make sure that I can make the most out of? Especially if I'm only doing it for fifteen or maybe even thirty minutes in a day, how, how can I make sure that I'm making the most of that time to really improve myself? It's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, anytime I role play with anybody, like they just, they just go for it. I mean, <laughs> sometimes they're really hard. Sometimes they're really easy. Unless you state like, Hey, this is the situation. Be this person. It, it's just kind of up in the air. So I would say like, Hey, if you're going to role play, be like, Hey, this is the seller situation. They're upset. Um, you got to overcome this objection. So I, th- yeah, you should definitely set parameters. Sometimes when I role play, I'm just like, let's just do it. And then I get like something random and it's, it's just kind of weird sometimes. So yeah, set set the stage or set like what you, what the situation is of what you'll role play. Perfect. And then when you're you know when you're role playing, um, so let's say you find an accountability partner and we're role playing, and now I'm listening, right? Because a lot of times I think for a lot of folks, right, like I'll I'll be the investor, then we'll swap because both of us might need to improve our ability. So when you're the person listening, you know, or playing the seller, I'll, I guess I'll say, are, is there any specific things that you're listening for, how they're handling it? Like, do you, do you have a, like a list of things like, hey, I'm looking for these things to see how you're doing in these, these areas? Or do you just say, hey, like, here's general feedback on how I felt about the call? Yeah, I mean, I, my role playing isn't very structured. It could be like, okay, taking, trying to hit on specific points of the script, right? Like if you're doing a script, you could just be like, okay, this is how I did on this one, this one. I just kind of just talk about what I saw, but it could be okay. way, way better. Yeah. Depends how structured you want to be about it. Right. Do you find there's a benefit to being that structured or is it, is it better to kind of flow or is it better just to see what, you know, what works for you and kind of go that way? Uh, I've, I've never really been that structured with role-playing where I'm like trying to find key elements. I just talk about what I feel like uh, they need help with, you know, specifically. So if they, if for example, we're practicing the script of, you know, calling a seller and they're terrible at the intro, I'll just remember, hey, you were bad at the intro. Okay. <laughs> About that. I don't I don't have like key points, but I'm sure I'm sure being structured probably helps uh more people. I just not a stru- that structure of a person and and when it comes yeah, to that's role- cool. Yeah, no, no, I don't th- I don't I, I think there's no right way to do this. I think there's just kind of figure out and and if you will play around with what's what's best for you and, and how do you learn. Like I know some of my learning modalities, like you know, I've got what uh, over 3,500 hours on stage. And when I got started, one of the biggest things I would do is watch, I would record myself and watch myself and I literally hated it. Um, but it was also the, the single biggest thing that helped me improve the quickest as well. Of course, of course. That's awesome. Yeah. So are, are you, when you're doing your sales calls, are you recording all your calls and you go back and review them later on? Do you find value in that? I don't, I've, I've never been into listening to myself uh, to do calls because there comes that cocky part where I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> that's, that's a problem, right? Like if I listen to my stuff and improved, I probably, I'd probably be better. But for me, I'm like, nah, the best, the best happened. <laughs> the best I, I did the best I could, you know? So no, I don't, I don't do that. But again, probably helpful. <laughs> cool. All right. So uh, what other, what other advice might you give to someone who's learning to improve? So we've got, you know, role playing, we've got, you know, um, whatever we just talked about before, I'm totally spacing right now. 
about role playing. We talked about knowing your options and like feeling good about yeah, your product. Right. Um, I would say overcoming objections. I mean, we could go forever, right? Because there's so many right. different parts of the script, different parts of the sales process. So I'd say overcoming objections and boxing an objection. Uh, boxing an objection is if someone says, I'm not ready to sign, like, for example, like, hey, I don't really, uh, I'm not ready to go yet. And at the beginning of the call, you said, hey, if I can give you an offer that you like, are you ready to go? You agree on an offer. And then you're like, okay, let's let's get the paperwork ready. I'll send it over and you can sign it and I'll read it through with you. And they're like, uh, I'm not ready right now. You, you, you could go back and you could be like, hey, you know what? I totally get it. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe we're moving a little fast, but you said at the beginning of the call that you were, you know, if we gave you an offer that you accepted and you did, you'd be ready to go. What's going on? So that would be like a way to call out the situation, right? Because you set the right expectations. But if they're like, oh, I don't know. I just don't feel very good about it. So then you box the objection by giving them specific things that they might, that might make them not feel good. You could say, hey, okay, well, let's talk about it because I've been doing this for a while. I just want to make sure you feel comfortable working with me. Is it me? Is it the price that we talked about? Or is it the process? Which one, which one is it? And then you you give them the the options to box in mm. their objection, and they'll say it's not me. It, sorry, they're like, oh no, it's not you. You've been great. Okay, so it's not me. Is it the price or is it the process of how we're going through things? Uh, well, I like the price. Okay, so it's not the price. All right, so we've boxed the objection. Okay, so it's the process. Is it, it what what does it have to do with the process? Is it going too fast? Do you have to check with somebody? What's going on? Uh, it's it's the fact that you know I got to check with my grandma. Okay. See how a boxing the ejection right. helps determine because if someone says they're ready to go and they're not ready to go, for me I'm not like oh okay well when are, will you be ready? It's like nah that doesn't happen. What what's going on right? But you you have to structure the sales call so you when things like that happen you can call it out and that's like what I think I is very important is learning how to overcome objections but also structuring a call structuring a call the right way so when things like that happen you're not caught off guard. Perfect. It makes sense. And that's part of the role playing too, right? Like you're like, Hey, if I did right. get caught off guard now, I know that that's things there. So <clears throat> are those three boxes usually where you start when you, when, when that comes up is, you know, is it me? Is it the price or is it the process? Cause I like that framework. I think those, I, I would imagine 99% of people's objections fall into one of those three. That, that's, that's right. That's pro Those are the three. Cause the process Perfect. entails everything pretty much other than price. And, and is it me? And it's, if it's, it's never you, right. So that's automatically gets rid of one. And if it is you, then, you know, you need to change as a person, maybe, you know, <laughs> work on your character. Well, I would imagine if it was you, they probably wouldn't have gotten to the point where, you know, we got to an offer that we were talking about in the first place. Cause I would have been like, get the heck out of my house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. And so, when you're boxing these objections in, right. And we start getting into it and we start honing into that. Um, you know, it, it's, how, how do you narrow down? Do you just keep asking questions until you get to the actual objection? And then how do you know that that's the actual objection? They're not just giving you one because they're uncomfortable maybe saying the one that they really think. Well, uh, that's a really good question because if you box the objection all the way down to what you think it is, there's just other sales techniques that are like, okay, really, it's, I can't remember the terminology that the book uses, but um, it's a good book. It's called, uh, I think it's, I can't remember the name. Don't even worry about that. Part. <laughs> but anyway, so it's, it's testing the objection, right? So it's like, okay, let's say it's a grandma, right? My grandma needs to sell. So you would be like, okay, if that's really the truth, 
let's find out if this is if that's really the problem. So you should be like, okay, so your grandma, you're selling your grandma. I say I, I should have dived in deeper. I'm sorry. So let's talk about your grandma. Does she does she own the property? Like, no, she doesn't own it. It's me. So let me understand, like, because I want her to be involved if she's a decision maker. So if it, you can't sell this house without her, is that what's going on? No, I can't sell this house without her. Well, okay, what's going on? Well, uh, she helped me buy it, right? She gave me the down or whatever, and I, you know, I promised if I sold it. So you really test it, right? You ask more questions because if she's like, nah, if they, if you find out that's just an excuse, you can call it out and be like, hey, look, it seems like you know that doesn't really have to do with it. Is it what's going on? Is do, do you really just not want to sell your house? Like it, that. You just have to ask more questions. I mean, you got to be okay with just diving deeper and deeper and asking questions because, you know, uh, I think they say buyers are liars and sellers are too. Like we all, mm -hmm. we're all trying to like not give our hand. You know, so. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're, we're holding our cards close to our chest. And I want to point out something else. I think that you went through that process and that's important for people to understand, which is for those of you listening or watching, the question that he asked is like, what's going on there? Tell me more about this. Let's mm -hmm. go into that. Like you open very open-ended questions versus yes, no type questions. Yeah. Never, never, uh, close, close questions or oh, very always open-ended, right? Because you got to get as much information as possible because what we're doing, essentially what you're doing as a real estate investor is you're trying to find a solution to their problem. Or if they have no problem, why would they sell you their house? Right. You know, so if there's no problem, then move on. Right. So like when mm -hmm. I call, when I say, Hey, what's your, what's got you thinking about selling? Nah, no reason. I'm just testing the market. Well, that's a good, that's a, that's okay. You know, test away, but I'm not your guy, you know, right. I can't help you. Do you find, I hear that a lot of times. Do you find that that's a, a common answer, even though it's maybe not the true answer. It's just the one that they're saying right now. Um, you know, I, I kind of believe that sometimes like, uh, I, I I'm prone to believe like if someone says that, I'm just like, Hey, no, I totally get it. Especially over the last two years if people were just like, Hey, I'm just trying to see what I that's can fair, get. Yeah. But if there was like now, I'd be like, why do you want to test it right now? Like, you, you should like the worst time to potentially test it. You should have done that six months ago. <laughs> so, so over the last years, I would say, yeah, that was fine. But it, whenever you get any answer, just dive in deeper. That's what I like to do um, is whenever someone says anything, I try to uh, clarify. Um, there's a book called Never Split the Difference. I remember that one. Chris Voss, I'm sure you read it. A lot of people read it in the sales industry. And basically, it just says mirror people, label label their answers, like just repeat what they've said back to them just to get more clarification instead of just saying, what do you mean? Um, and it helps them elaborate, right? No, it's perfect. Yeah. Cool. No, I, I think this is all helpful. And look, like I said, there's it's funny, like a couple of things we've talked about or even for me, it's like, oh, I knew that, but I forgot I knew it, or I'm not implementing it at the level I should. Like even just some of your questions that you asked, it's like, oh man, I know I should be doing it that way. I'm, I know I'm not right now, um, right. even though I, it's, it's funny, it's kind of like we talked about before, but oh, yeah. dude, awesome. Yeah, and I love it. And by the way, this call has been great because I have a community where I have a bunch of wholesalers and we're talking about role-playing a lot. And I just, so do you know anything about Discord? I'm sure you do, right? Mm-hmm. Discord. So. I, I do. So yeah, but for, for those who may not in this group, because a lot of folks that are in my group or following me may not know about it. So just talk a little bit about that. And um, let's go. It's just, a it's just a community. It's a server where you can talk to people. So I have a discord community of wholesalers and investors that come together. And as we've been talking about this, I'm like, you know what I need to add into my discord server because they have voice channels where people could just hop on and start talking. I'm like, why don't I add a role playing channel? right? Or a role-playing uh, practice so people can hop in and practice with each other uh, when, whenever they want to practice. So that's something I've got from this. And uh, yeah, Perfect. I'm excited to implement that. 
Yeah. So actually, I think that's a perfect segue because um, we're kind of coming up on the time that I want to end this. So um, mm-hmm. where can people find you if they want to join that Discord or whatever else you got going on? Let's start point people yeah. in the right direction to check things out that you got going on. You know, luckily, I've, I'm on all platforms, but, you know, you can find me mainly on uh, YouTube. I have a Facebook group called the Painless Wholesaling Facebook group because uh, my last name is Pain. So what I do and I teach is painless wholesaling. It's like reverse wholesaling. So it's easier to wholesale, in my opinion doing it the reverse way. So Facebook group, painless wholesaling group, uh, YouTube, Nathan Payne, um, Instagram, Nathan Payne official. Uh, and in my, my website is investorthrive.com. And, and all those platforms, you can DM me, you can reach out to me. If you have questions, you can call me and I'll point you in the right direction. But for me, like I've created my goal, my vision um, is to create a, a community, a very low, uh, affordable community where Buyers can come, investors can come, wholesalers, <clears throat> commercial, wholesaling, subject to pretty much everything. So it's like, hey, look, if you're brand new and you don't know anything, you don't need to know everything. Come to this community and ask questions and people will help you because you know and I know that if you help someone, it usually turns into a deal. Right. Almost yeah. always. Almost always. Yeah. So come on in. That's the Come to my community. Check it out. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. And thank you for being on sharing this, this amazing advice. Like I said, I think sales is an undertrained skill for most investors. And if we all get, and especially over the next few months here, it's going to be even more important because, um, you know, we're going to be dealing with people who are going to be likely in a more distressed situation than they have been for the last two years and distress and high emotions does not always create logical stuff. So we got to be able to ask the right questions to get to the right answers. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So thanks for being on, Nathan. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, For all of you listening or watching, as always, truly appreciate your time, your energy, your effort, your ears and or eyes or both. In this case, if you're watching it on the Facebook group, if you're not on the Facebook group, make sure you drop in. The link will be in the show notes. If you're on the Facebook group and you're not listening on the podcast, there's a lot of other episodes out there for you to check out. Go do that as well. And as always, it's one simple payment. And I stole this idea from Andy Frisella, so I'll give credit where credit's due. But one simple payment for this free show is to invite a friend. Tell someone you know about this show because at the end of the day, right, like all this great information that Nathan just shared uh, does no good if no one actually listens to it. So the more that the best thing that you can do is to share it with a friend or two that might find it uh, beneficial, especially if they're in business partners or people that you work with or in other communities that you're part of. At the end of the day, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, it's there's no other industry that I've been a part of that really we can help each other learn and grow and do more so. Uh, Just share it out there and let people know. Otherwise, thanks so much for being on and we'll see you guys again on another great show next week. Take it easy. Bye.